Okay, let's come back together. Thanks, everyone, for sharing your story. I wish I could hear everyone's story. Like, we could just go around for the next three hours and take turns. That would be awesome. I think I'm going to post on the ARC members' face. Oh, hey, Leah. <laughs> I think I'm going to post on um, ARC members' Facebook tonight, like, the, this question, so we can hear more stories and maybe, like, compile them or something. I really want to hear everyone's uh, story around that. I um, also want to share briefly uh, my story of, of first meeting Jesus and... You'll cue the photo. That is a very old photo, <laughs> if you remember the pixely things. But does anyone recognize the person in the middle? Uh, Lisa, Sarah, and myself on the left. We're making silly faces. Um, but that's us when we were like 12, I think. So <laughs> the three of us, <laughs> we've, uh, there's a lot of stories like that at the ARC. People who go way back. But um, pretty much the three of us have been in the same Christian community for the past 20 years. Up until a couple months ago, I'm still in the process of forgiving Lisa's hubby for stealing her away from the ark. No, no bitterness. <laughs> she's uh, right on the, well, actually, she still lives here, and she just led worship for us the other week, so basically. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, my, my interest in Jesus started because um, Sarah Go was such a wonderful friend in, in the third grade. We met as eight-year-olds in elementary school. And uh, she was truly a representation of Jesus. Like, she was kind, she was fair to everyone, she wasn't into all that playground gossip, you know. Uh, she actually taught me my first conflict resolution conversation that I ever had. <laughs> so she then, you know, invited me to vacation Bible school, and her mom would pick me up. Like, they, she, you know, they lived south, and then, I, and then the church was here, and I was, like, north, so they, like, went way out of their way to pick me up and go to vacation Bible school. Um, that was like Jesus saying, you know, come and see. Uh, I know you, even as an eight-year-old, you already have stereotypes about Christianity. You already think it's boring and blah, blah, blah. I don't know how I got that in my head. But I did have like this <clears throat> stereotype um, that, and Jesus was saying, but come and see. Come and see what I'm really like. Um, so I went and there was this whole group of friends at the church, actually, including Lisa. And they were all uh, really kind and loving to each other. And they, they, them and their immigrant parents, they genuinely seem to believe in Jesus. And so I was like, well, they don't seem crazy, so maybe there's something to this. And um, I, I was curious. I stuck around mostly, like, just because I had friends. Um, but I started listening to the pastor while he was speaking. And I remember he was speaking once about this idea of, like, the unconditional love of God and how it would address the root problem of sin in the world and you know, in middle school, you start thinking about, like, sometimes, like, bigger, like, your brain starts to have the capacity to think about, like, conceptual things, and the Holy Spirit was revealing to me, like, this unconditional love, this love of God is actually what everyone is looking for, and they, it could be found nowhere else, and I saw, like, that God-shaped hole in my heart and in, in others, I saw that he created us, designed us for this relationship with him, but that we had no way to get there on our own except through Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. And so then I started, like, trying to pray, like, to see if, if Jesus would answer. And he did. He did. Um, he answered, like, some pretty significant prayers uh, that, I, that I don't have time to go into. But also another note I wanted to make is, I borrowed this book called uh, More Than a Carpenter um, by Josh McDowell. And he wrote that, you know, based on the statements that Jesus made in his time on earth, 
he had to have either been a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, as he said. Um, but also, based on the records and stories about him, it seemed pretty clear that he wasn't a liar. He wasn't crazy. So he really had to have been Lord. And I think it was the spirit at the time really convicting me of that truth. Um, and it changed everything about the meaning of life. Like, I'm not just living for myself. I'm actually living for, for eternity. And it's not just about what I think is best in this lifetime. It's about, like, what is God's mission? And so I also remember learning at that time the responsibility of a Christian is to share this news. And I was deathly afraid as a little shy middle school student. It was, like, the last thing I wanted to do. I remember dreading the prospect. Uh, but... I've been doing it ever since because, because of just uh, the empowerment of the spirit to overcome our fears and for us to lay down our comforts. So the next question is um, kind of the why question, like why make disciples? Um, and a lot of it is, is what, what I was just going through when I was first believing Christ. Like if we step back and think about the Christian worldview, it's kind of wild. It's, uh, it changes everything. And if we truly believe in, in, in eternal life, if we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he has given us this ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 20, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So, it's a little cheesy, but imagine with me for a second that you're in heaven uh, at this moment. And you're walking down the road. The sky looks amazing, uh, better than you thought it could ever look. The trees are like, you know, like wildly healthy and yeah, there's like these new colors and these new sounds that you didn't know existed. You're like, wow, this is just awesome. Like walking down the road and then you see someone sitting on the porch in this, the, the heavenly house that they have. And you're, you're like, huh, they look kind of familiar. Like, do I know them from somewhere? You walk a little closer, you walk a little closer. And then uh, they jump up when they see you and they run out to greet you. And they're like, Emily or Antonio, uh, you know, we were coworkers on earth. Um, there was one day we were having lunch, and you shared a story with me about, like, something Jesus did for you, and it got me really curious. I actually went to church with my friend the next, the next week, and the rest is history. I'm here with you in heaven. And uh, so you're, you jump up and down a little bit. You're like, woo, <laughs> with each other. You celebrate together for a moment, and then you have to go. You have to keep walking. You have an appointment with your family. Um, so <laughs> you're, 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 you walk a little further. And then uh, you see someone else that you, you, you definitely know that you knew on earth. She was a friend of yours, like a close friend. But she had a really rough time in life. You know, you didn't know if she would ever get on the right path. But you really fought for her. You would always pray for her, like, in your, in your prayer closet. And you would just love her. You would just let her know that you were there. And you would share about how Jesus was helping you in your life. Um, and so, woo, this one really gets you because, you know, you invested invested your heart and you really love this person um and so when you go and greet her 
you're like catching up on, because okay, maybe you lost touch after a few years, and but <laughs> you're catching up on the rest of what happened in your life, and she's telling you how she met Jesus, um, and, and how like all of your prayers and your love really impacted her. And then the thing is, while you're catching up with her, um, Jesus himself walks by, and um, he puts his hand on the shoulder of your friend, and, and he's like, you know, I'm so glad you're here. And then he takes your hand in both of his hands. I need somebody's hand. <laughs> and then, and then he, he, he kind of like, thank you. Thank you, thank you for bringing my daughter home. And, you know, that's, it might have just been in my imagination, but I think I had this vision of each of us, like, personally being thanked, you know, by Jesus, like, this, this was my beloved daughter. There was no one like her, and the fact that you fought for her and brought her home is, like, means, it means eternity to me. Um, and, you know, that's what it's about. We're, we're, we're bringing the lost children home because Jesus loves them. And, and then, I, I, I'm just running with my imagination here, but you keep going because you have an appointment with your family. You invite Jesus with you, <laughs> so Jesus comes with you to meet your family. Uh, all of your family is there uh, because Jesus promised um, you will be saved, you and your household. And we're still fighting for our family members who, who don't know him yet. But it's a huge party. You're sitting with your family. And I imagine that we will eat in heaven and it will be delicious. So you're sharing a feast with Jesus and just celebrating the fact that like it was all worth it, like the, the efforts that you made on earth. So... We have this joy of making new disciples. Um, we have a real privilege and a joy. So um, what does it mean to make disciples? I just want to touch on that real quick. I believe it's, it's the ministry of guiding people through a journey of knowing and following Jesus. And from the point of separation from God into eternal life with him. And at some point in there, there's, there's an understanding of the gospel and a covenant relationship that begins with Jesus so some people will, will distinguish evangelism and discipleship, like at the point of salvation, but um, neither one is complete without the other, and I think we need to be careful about creating too much of a dichotomy, because bringing someone to the saving knowledge of, of Christ is incomplete without connecting them to the church that can walk them through a lifetime of discipleship. And at the same time, discipling people in our church is incomplete without opening our hearts, opening our doors and our lives to new believers. A major part of discipleship is evangelism because we grow into Christ-likeness as we make new disciples. And at the same time, a major part of evangelism, I would say, is discipleship because non-believers can come and see before believing, before really saying, yes, I'm in this. So something actually we learned at the ARC through uh, the Church of Calcutta, India, when we had a few teams that are on trips to serve with their house churches, um, we learned that the, the way that they do ministry and making disciples is they would invite the whole neighborhood to church at someone's house. And uh, people of various faiths in the neighborhood would, would come just because they knew this neighbor or they liked the music. Um, they would hear about Jesus' teachings through his word. They would experience his presence and his healing power would come and really be a witness to the reality of God and the pastor said that it's a process of salvation. Discipleship for them begins before the point of salvation because 
people are getting to know Jesus, like dating before marriage, you could say. So I think this paradigm really helps us um, to have patience with people that Christ is pursuing in our lives. It's often this process over time, and we pray, we love, and we share with a person or with the whole group. And it also means that we can share space inside and outside the church, wherever we are on our journey of faith. Uh, so this next section, how, how can we make disciples? These are some revelations I believe I really want to equip us with. Um, it's like kind of the meat of, of the message today. So if we think about like, what did we learn from the salvation stories that you all shared with each other just now? Um, what were some of the components that were key? And the two components like that I always come back to is, is love, because God is love. Um, Sarah's mom went going out of her way after Sarah invited me to church and, and sharing truth, uh, love and truth. So making disciples, is, it's a matter of helping people see who Jesus really is in his love and his truth. So I want to give us just a few examples of some characteristics of God and how we can represent these characteristics through love and truth to reveal him to people. And this way we, we can. We can overcome a lot of the roadblocks in our culture that you see, like relativism, a poor reputation of Christianity maybe, or even a lack of hunger or sense of need for a savior. I believe we can, can overcome these things. Um, so as we talk through these characteristics of God, I invite you to think of those in your life who don't know Jesus yet, and which of these the Holy Spirit may inspire you to do for them. So, number one, Jesus is authentic and rich in love. Authentic relationships, it's um, something that people are craving in our culture, in our society. And when you're really connected to someone, you know them well, you know what they've been through, you, they know that you love them. It's so much easier to talk about deep things, to share about faith and the meaning of life, and, and uh, they'll trust you, I believe. You'll have a, a word in their, like you'll have, you'll have their ear. And um, it can be challenging, I think, to find time to cultivate friendships with people, but I believe also there, there are ways to create synergy. And um, I wanna give a few tips which are like, I know a lot of parents here at the Ark have found ways to, like, their, their kids are playing together and their parents are just, uh, are just able to chat away and become friends. And I've heard a lot of fruitful things happening, meaningful connections of Ark, parent, Ark parents with their kids' parents. And um, creating synergy in, in other ways, like inviting non-believing friends to hang out with your Ark friends. Um, I actually um, have a friend from college that um, I've reconnected with and I was sharing, sharing some of my testimony with her since we last met and um, really getting to, to the heart of things in her life. And then I find out that Angela Yang is actually um, working for my friend's husband and they do this like weekly run at the Emeryville Verena. So uh, I'll join them for runs and we'll talk about life and others, oh, Angela, it's been really fun. It's like I'm, I'm killing three birds with one stone. <laughs> I'm hanging out with Angela in my home group. I'm hanging out with my college friend. And I'm getting some exercise. So I really think uh, if we just like overlap some things in our life or something, we're still getting past that, 
that busyness uh, roadblock in our life. But we can do it. We can cultivate these authentic relationships in which people, people um, outside the churches, they, they know that we love them and we can share with them. A best practice, another tip, is, is first seek to understand where the other person's at. Um, and then ask the Holy Spirit how to take them one step closer from that point. Some really good questions I found are like, what's your faith background? Um, what do you think about Jesus? Um, like just learning about where they're coming from, their family, their culture, um, why they believe what they believe as well. And, um, you know, that's, it's like a really good way to cultivate relationship as well. So the next one is Jesus is real and powerful. I believe this is another key for our culture because people are looking for something real, not only authentic relationships, but also real experiences with a living God. Um, tangible encounters with the presence of God have really brought people into the kingdom. Um, if you guys remember Candy Shao and Nina Lee, exchange students from Asia, they visited our Sunday service and tangibly felt something real, like the worship team was min ministering to us and they just started to cry, and they didn't know why. It was the touch of the Holy Spirit, and they were drawn in, and they started asking a lot of questions and meeting with Suki and just learning the whole background, like the whole biblical story. And now they're on-fire disciples of Jesus in Asia. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is real, and he gives us gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy. Um, these are a couple real gifts for that we can give to other people um, to show that Jesus is real. There was actually a, a family who came to our door to visit us a couple months ago, and they came, they said they just wanted to say hi, and they wanted to say thank you, because um, there, a couple years ago, um, some members of our church were, were walking down the street and saw that they were in need and stopped and prayed for them, and a member of their family, Jesus had healed just supernaturally, and uh, their whole family now is walking with Christ and uh, following Jesus. And Ryan shared with us that story, Mike, and it just sticks with me because it's like Jesus showing that he's powerful. He's um, not just like un just a nameless, faceless, faceless God. And another photo is, this is Michael Christensen, one of our beloved brothers, and um, he's been out there praying for people on campus, and um, this was, uh, the story I'm about to tell is actually not about this man, but this is another example, <laughs> there's another time, last month, an after church outreach, uh, we hit the streets after church four weeks ago, and Michael and Kat and Grant met a man on the street, and he had fallen 10 days prior, so he'd injured a nerve in his back, and his whole leg was still in pain, like for the past 10 days it had been, and so um, Michael said that he felt the Holy Spirit prompting him, like, just place your hand on, on his back and pray for healing in Jesus' name. And immediately this man actually felt like a heat, like more than would come out of just your hand, like a supernatural heat. And um, removed the pain, all of the pain, pain was gone after 10 days of, of this nerve damage. And uh, they all started dancing, because he could now. And uh, this, this man, too, he had been seeking a higher power at the time, um, just kind of looking at different faiths. And Michael just shared with him, like, you know, I think there are many gods, but there's only one God who does this. So now this man knows 
Jesus as someone who is real and powerful. Um, next, God is a God of justice and mercy. So in making disciples and helping people understand who is Jesus like, do I want to know him? Um, I believe we help people know Jesus when we display personal integrity, justice, and honesty at our workplace, when we choose to do what's right, when we stand up for what's right. Um, the justice of God is seen. When we help people see Jesus, um, we help people see Jesus when the church has compassion and cares for the world. And when we were in Calcutta, also another story from there is we realized that the whole city of Calcutta had opened its heart to Jesus after years of, of, of persecuting the church. Um, there was a major shift because Mother Teresa's ministry was planted in the heart of that city. And the whole city just changed their, their attitude toward Christianity um, because of the radical justice and mercy that Mother Teresa displayed. And so I love what we're doing so far with the ARC and like our justice prayer group, our partnerships with Foster the Bay and supporting kids who are in foster care and Project Peace, um, just serving the schools in our area because serving people in poverty, advocating for those under oppression, it's important for revealing just the nature of God. Um, next, God is our Heavenly Father. This is a prayer from a little boy who lives at the shelter I work at. It says, Dear Jesus, please guide me to my Heavenly Father and show me what he is like. Amen. This is so, so sweet, but this is actually his first prayer because I asked him on a camp, we took a camping trip. At the, at the end, I asked him, you know, have you ever actually talked to Jesus yourself? And he said no. And I said, oh, why don't you, why don't you write something to him, like a letter? Um, this is what he wrote. And uh, I realized later, like, there are some volunteer tutors who come to see this boy every week at our shelter. And one of them is like this big brother, like father figure to him. And I can see him beginning to open up to Jesus and really um, consider him as, as a father as well. Um, next, I'm going to skip to the two from now. So God is, oh, Jesus is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's a real roadblock in our culture about relativism. Like, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. Has anyone heard that? Uh, or can I just be a good person? Like, there are so many sins that don't appear to be sins. What's, what's, so, what's so wrong about this thing that doesn't hurt anyone else? Um, my aunt actually asked me a couple weeks ago, like, what type of church are you in? Are you in one that accepts all faiths? And I said, well, she kind of put me in a corner, but I, I was just honest. I said, well, you know, we don't believe all faiths. Like, they're mutually exclusive. They don't fit together in their worldview. Um, like, my mom used to believe that if you just kind of believed that you were going somewhere in the afterlife, then you would end up there. And I was just like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's not a real place, how can you go there? And so, she, so when I said that, she said, afterlife? Tell me more. Um, she used to be in the Buddhist tradition, not anymore. But it's like, um, yeah, we, we had a conversation about that. And, and by the end, like, I don't think she believed me in that moment about, about the truth being the truth and everything. But um, I believe this is one of those things we really need to pray about and break down. It's like a, a spiritual stronghold. Um, but if we pray for the spirit to 
lift the deception of relativism and convict people of their need for God, um, we'll, we'll have an open door. Um, this is a picture of the Alpha Course, um, because there are people, there are many people who are seeking truth, genuinely really like, what is the truth? And I think one way we can share Jesus with people is um, creating spaces where we can discuss about faith. And so the Alpha Course was a space that we had for the past couple months <clears throat> where um, a group of archers were just hosting um, people who were seeking faith to talk about their questions, talk about these difficult things, and uh, invite the Spirit to speak. Um, yeah, so Jesus is the life. What happens when people are content with finding bits of life elsewhere? Um, like, people are comfortable, they're fine, there's really no, like, hunger or need for God, but deep down, I believe every single person that we know um, senses that there's something missing, like, maybe not acutely, but but just inviting the Spirit to awaken that hunger, like, uh, and there's also this tool that I learned from someone in my home group. It's a powerful question. And the question is, if you have a close relationship with this person, like asking them, what's something you've always wanted that you actually never, never experienced or never had? And see what they say. Um, I'm, I'm sure that whatever it is that they say, you've probably experienced it through Jesus and can share that with them. So these were just a few examples of how we can represent characteristics of God with love, with sharing truth, and reveal Jesus to people. I want to say, like I didn't say it under each one, but for each one of these, your personal testimony is just a powerful witness of how you've experienced these aspects of God. And uh, if you have a chance to share that with people, you can pray with them to experience the same. Um, and it'll be history from there. So let's uh, yeah, let's think of continue to think about those people in your life as, who don't know Jesus yet. Which of these things that Holy Spirit might inspire you to do for them? Or it could be something completely new, something completely um, completely creative. And we can overcome some of those common roadblocks. So how about overcoming obstacles within us? Um, if, if sharing the truth and eternal life is just so important, then um, why don't we make disciples more? Why don't we consume with this mission? Um, I just believe like we need to continually encourage each other in a community that prioritizes and values disciple-making. Um, if we go together, if we learn together and pray for sustained revival and salvation to come in our spheres of influence, um, we, can, we can truly, truly move the kingdom forward. And uh, love, you know, it just, I think a lot of it comes down to it just requires some type of sacrifice. It, it costs us something, and it's not always easy to sacrifice comfort or overcome fear of how people may respond. But if we think back for a moment to our story that we shared, what was the sacrifice and the effort that that person made for you um, to bring you into the kingdom?
So um, I feel God kind of inviting us to be like John the Baptist in, in our culture. And what John the Baptist did was point the way to Jesus at, at all costs. I mean, for John, talk about overcoming love of comfort and fear of man. He followed the spirit into the wilderness, kind of lived there, camped out and came back sometimes. But he, he lived there. He wore camel's hair. He ate locusts. It's like, sounds super, <laughs> super uncomfortable. But I invite, I invite us to think of ways we can um, turn from our fears and let go of our comforts. And uh, let's pray together for a moment about that. Uh, dear Lord, we're just turning from our comfort. Uh, we're turning from our love of comfort, God. Um, we're turning from our fear of man. And Father, right now, I'm speaking freedom from fear of man in the name of Jesus. And I set your people free to love with a radical love to testify and share boldly about how we've seen you, Jesus. For we cannot help but speak of what we've seen and heard. We ask that you'd fill us to overflowing with your love, God. Inspire us to reach out to others. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's, let's do this, guys. Okay, let's take some action together right now as we're gathered because we could talk about this forever. Um, I just kind of thought of different tips that I felt from the Lord. But in the end, it's our actions that will impact others, like the actual things that we do, we do outside of here or as we gather. So let's add some momentum to this Fight for Five. I'm going to pass around these cards for anyone who doesn't have one yet. And uh, I invite you to, it's a tool, I invite you to keep it somewhere like that you can see because it's a good reminder, like, every time you see it, you just throw up a few prayers for these people, and then, yeah, so, to explain Fight for Five, it's an all-members initiative that we started earlier this year, and basically, we're picking five people in our life who don't know Jesus yet, and we're taking three steps for them, which are written on the card. Uh, number one, prayer. The purpose of prayer in this context is, number one, to pave the way in the spiritual atmosphere for this person to hear about Jesus. And secondly, the, the purpose of prayer is to grow us with the heart of God's love for this person. Uh, because the second step is, is to love with God's love. Um, love that will soften the soil of people's hearts for the truth to be received. And number three, sharing truth. Um, whether that's a testimony of Jesus, whether that's the gospel story itself, at some point that they would need to understand. So that's in essence um, a call and a charge that we have for all of our members this year and anybody who's here today. We will reach 700 people this year if all of us pick five people, there being 140 of us. Um, and that's incredible. Um, yeah, it's, it's the fall season, and with the holiday season coming up, I actually sense that there's this grace, especially for family members. And in the beginning of the year, we had a time when we prayed on a Wednesday night, and the theme was like, really on people's hearts is like different family members that, that, um, that were weighing heavily on people's hearts, and I'm just believing and praying for a breakthrough for them. 
And so in this moment now, let's do a few quick things. Um, think of one person on your list and turn to, the, turn to your neighbor who you shared your story with for just one minute um, and name that person with them. Name, call them out by name and lift them up to the Lord um, with, with your brother or sister in Christ agreeing with you for just one minute go. Actually, we can take more than one minute. Keep going.
Okay, coming back together pretty soon. Feel free to wrap up your last sentences and prayers. Um, that was powerful, guys. I can sense the prayers going out everywhere. <laughs> and uh, next, um, let's take a moment to extend a gesture of love to one of these people, um, considering, like, what is their love language of the five love languages that from that book? Um, do they appreciate words of affirmation? Do they appreciate acts of service, thoughtful gifts, physical touch, or quality time? Um, in this moment, whatever you can do right now to reach them, maybe it's a text message or um, maybe just a text message. I'm not sure what else we could do sitting in our seat right now. But <laughs> uh, let's each send, send a text message to one of the people um, that you're fighting for. And it could be a let's have lunch this week um, to catch up and just hang out or... Um, hey, I just want to say that I really appreciate you because blank, 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 um, and send, send that to them in a moment. Or um, can I help you out this week with, with something for, for your family, uh, bring a meal or something, an act of service? So, yeah, just take a minute um, in this moment to scroll through your, your contact list and find someone who you can extend a gesture of love, of love to in this moment. Okay, go ahead. You can brainstorm with the person next to you if you're not sure, so they can just give you a nudge of encouragement. Or <laughs> Everyone almost done it? Um, raise your hand if, you, if you've done it, if you sent it. Woo! That's maybe most of us. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, the last step in sharing truth is, if you guys ever kind of, like, had those moments in conversation with your friends, your coworkers, and then there's, like, this perfect opportunity uh, to share something, but then it just kind of comes and goes. You're like, oh, I just wasn't ready or something. But so we can have this on the tip of our tongues, um, in preparation for when a door opens. Let's jot down some bullet point notes of, and keeping one of these people in mind because 
it's probably gonna, you know, you're, you're knowing, you know where they're coming from, you know kind of like um, what, might, what type of testimony might minister to them. Um, jot down some notes of, of a testimony of how you've seen one of those characteristics of God, um, whether it's his love, his, how real he is, um, how he's given you life, how he's been truth to you, how he's been the, been the way or been your father. And also a phone exercise. Um, <clears throat> for the next one minute, let's just jot down some notes. Or you could even send this to someone in, in time if you've already been talking about something or just out of the blue. Just that. So great, feel, obviously feel free to keep typing later, maybe you have a lot of ideas going. But um, yeah, if we, if we all keep this going for the next couple months, we'll be reaching people left and right, um, fighting for five. Uh, I'll be posting on our ARC Facebook members to just kind of hear how things are going or invite everybody to share their experience with it so far. And so I look forward to that and bless you, bless everyone with uh, just the love and boldness from the Spirit. Jesus name amen yeah. oh and uh, if you're looking for more avenues through, through the arc to do outreach there's a postcard on the foyer and we'll be meeting on the front steps at 5:30 look for me or Caleb Mills for
going out to the street to share. Thank you, Emily. Um, yeah, let's give it up for Emily again. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to encourage you guys, when Emily was speaking, uh, a few things came to mind, and that when you were sharing uh, through your imagination, which I really felt like spirit was spirit-led, that really, like, I don't know how you guys felt, but it really ministered to me, and I started crying. <laughs> um, because actually, I could picture um, Suki, because <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, but she led me to Jesus. Um, And I thought about a few things. I was thinking about um, when Jesus talked about different parables, different um, kinds of soil, and how thorns can choke out the word of God and the worries and the cares that what the thorns represent, the cares and worries of this world. And I was thinking about how sometimes thorns in my life can choke out the joy of salvation. You know, and I just kept seeing the word suddenly in bold joy. Joy, joy, joy. And then the Lord led me to um, actually Psalm 51, and I've never actually noticed this. This is uh, King David um, calling out to the Lord, and he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressions, transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. I never noticed that, like the, cause, the causal relationship there that he's crying out to the Lord to restore to him the joy of salvation. And then he will in the turn then lead people to him, to the Lord. Um, yeah, and so I just felt like an exhortation or just an invitation, even if, if you guys, we're going to have um, open altar ministry here. So if you guys want prayer, please come up. We'll have people on the side here on either side to pray for you. But if you just even want like a restoration of the joy of salvation so that, and even to pray that the thorns, the cares, and the worries of this world don't choke out that word, that the joy of the Lord that you have access to every day, um, simply because we're saved. Like, even if Jesus did nothing else ever again, which is not true, he will because he's good. <laughs> but even if just knowing that you're saved and you get to be with him forever, that we have a reason to have joy every day. Um, yeah, and so I just want to bless us with that and then invite the worship team to come and if anyone wants prayer again, to come up here and to get prayer. Um, so, yeah, Lord, I just even thank you for um, what Emily shared. And we just thank you that, God, you invite us to share your heart for the world, God. Um, that for the joy set before you, Jesus, you endured the cross. Um, and that, Lord, you give us access to that joy, too, Lord. Yeah, and so, Lord, I just pray today for every person that, God, would you, I pray for every person leaving today, God, that they would know the joy of your salvation, that you call it to mind again, restore it unto us again, God. Um, we have the best news in the world to share, God. This is not a heavy burden. This is not, um, yeah, this is not a heavy burden, God. This is joyful. Yeah, um, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.